This is recording number 10938 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, August 21, 2011. This is the 20th message in the series titled, Doctor's Gospel. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Choices. Luke chapter 16. And we're going to begin re- reading at verse 1 in just a minute. We're going to be talking about choices today. As we continue our study called the, the Doctor's Gospel, we're going to be talking about choices. Now besides uh, Ray de Borgia, who else in this room is really confident about the way you handle your money? <laughs> Just, just checking. I don't know about you, but when, when stuff happens like this has been going on over the last couple of weeks with the economy, I'm, I'm, I'm paralyzed. I, I don't know what to do. Buy, sell, dig a hole in the backyard. I don't know. Pray. <laughs> Pray, yes. Um, the choices that we're going to be talking about today are not really financial choices, but... That's a part of it. Because all of us, look, we all have to deal with, you know, this thing called money. And Jesus had an awful lot to say about money. And this is not the first time we've encountered him speaking about uh, the ways we handle our money just in the book of Luke uh, in our study up to this point. But when Jesus talks about money, it's always about so much more than that. So I want to ask you to, once we dive in here and we start hearing him talking, addressing issues of how we handle our money, don't, uh, don't check out. Don't um, get to that or don't make that choice that a lot of us do when we feel a little bit I mean when somebody talks about money <laughs> I get nervous I can't help it I just get nervous because I'm I'm a member of the poor money management club a lifelong member and so I just kind of check out don't do that today if you're like me because Jesus wants to speak to us that's what this study is all about we're listening For the heart of Jesus. Chapter 16, verse 1, Gospel of Luke. Now, uh, excuse me. He also said to his disciples. So he's addressing his followers, his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. He's telling a story, a parable. Parables are always uh, relatable stories that he laid alongside in parallel truth so that 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 story, that familiar, relatable story would, uh, re- would highlight, would explain, would, would clarify truth. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. A steward is someone who um, is employed to manage the resources of someone else. 
A rich man had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him, brought to the rich man, that this man, the steward, was wasting or squandering his, the rich man's, goods. So he, gets this, he hears word, the rich man hears word, that this person he's paying to manage his resources is actually misusing them, misappropriating them. So he, the rich man, called him the steward and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship. In other words, I have scheduled an appointment for you to uh, open the books and give an account of how you've managed my resources. For you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. He's thinking about how he's going to make a living, how he's going to support himself when the stewardship is taken away. I have resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. Now, one of the things you need to know is that it was against the Mosaic law, against God's law, for his people, the Jews, to loan uh, money or any other resource to people and then charge them interest. So right from the start, this is a messed up deal, isn't it? This guy has loaned a <laughs> hundred measures of oil to this person. And uh, so the steward says to him, All right, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. What he was doing was clearing the interest away. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Again, just clearing out the, the uh, interest. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. I don't know if you've been around Christian circles long enough to have experienced this, but I, I've heard a lot of sermons, and I've heard a lot of preachers preach out of this, and I have nearly in every time, in fact, I can't remember a time when this wasn't true, I've, I've heard ministers use this passage to say, oh, see, you Christians, you better get more shrewd. We need to get more shrewd like the world. As though, Jesus were, as though Jesus were promoting the practices of what we've just seen. And that's not the case at all. He told this story to set in stark contrast the behavior of the sons of this world as opposed to the behavior he was um, drawing the sons of light towards. Not to say the sons of light should be more like the sons of this world. He says, they're more shrewd in their generation. That word generation means age or time. The sons of this world, the people whose whole perspective, perspective and vantage point is of this life and of this world. He said they approach the 
carrying out the, the choices that they make, the decisions that they follow through on, are all about this age, this time. And all they have to rely on is their shrewdness. And they celebrate each other for how smart they were. And I, look, I, I have uh, investments through my retirement fund and stuff that, and so I'm, I'm part of it at that level. But doesn't Wall Street celebrate shrewdness? I mean, isn't that what it's all about? That you're smart enough to get the stock on the rise and sell before it uh, starts to go south? I mean, isn't that... The, the, people that we, the people that we buy their books and we listen to their television programs and, and all of that, we, we celebrate that, their shrewdness about this world and about making it all work for them, right? Jesus was saying, that's not how we do it in my family. This is their age. This is their time. And all they have is what they can accumulate in this realm. So you beg, borrow, you steal, you cheat, you do whatever you can. Because that's all you can get is what you can, is what you can secure for yourself. I say to you, verse 9, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, or really... That word should be, I mean, it's just fail. When, when fail, it really could be easily and probably more properly translated when it fails. Because mammon, the things of this world, money, it will fail. It will fail. He says, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when it fails. Mammon, by the way, means wealth. I should have said that they may receive you into an everlasting home. The sons of this world, they're all about buying friends that can help them to get more stuff. Relationships are always self-centered, self-focused. Jesus said in contrast to that, the sons of light, we take this ungodly mammon that we all have to deal with, this unrighteous wealth, this un- unrighteous mammon that we all have to manage, but we invest it completely differently. We buy friends for eternity. Can I tell you something? When I arrive at heaven's gate, I will bring nothing of my stock portfolio there. Nothing. I won't be trying to squeeze through those pearly gates a hummer. <laughs> it won't matter. Not one bit. Whether I had reached the pinnacle of success in this world. Not one bit. But when I reach heaven's gate and somebody that I have some of those orphans in Cambodia that we together invested ungodly mammon to help reach with the gospel. When I walk through heaven's gate and they're there to greet me. Wow. 
Let me ask you, what would you rather live for? This age or the next? Now or eternity? Do you manage your money for now or for eternity? Please don't take this message as my endorsement of you hopping in your car, driving over to the Bank of America over there by Safeway. It won't work if you don't have a Bank of America account anyway, but <laughs> if you, please don't drive over there and empty your savings and, and send it off with our team to Fiji. Don't do that. But consider where is your heart in relation to that bank account? Is it about you? Is it about now? Is it about being uh, celebrated for your shrewdness? Look what you've done. Or is it about investing whatever it is you have, however little or however much, so that there will be men and women, boys and girls, who spend eternity with Jesus? Is it about now or is it about eternity? Verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what, in what is least is unjust also in much. Jesus is saying, look, this stuff, this money stuff, it's really just about making the right decisions. Can we manage what we have been entrusted with? Can we manage it in a way that is kingdom-focused, not self-focused, not worldly-focused? Therefore, if you have not been faithful, verse 11 says, in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been found faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Let me just blow your mind for a minute. In 1 Peter, we're told that those of us who have come to faith in Christ have an inheritance from God. You know what an inheritance is? It's yours. The person who gave it to you no longer controls it. It's yours. I don't know. Look, I'm just a human being. I don't know what eternity is going to be like. But the glimpses I get from the scriptures, it's... I don't even like to think about it because my brain starts, the smoke starts to come out of my ears. That when I reach heaven, it's not the end. You know, it's not like vacation for eternity. It's just, just the beginning of something that, we, that got derailed by sin in the garden. A relationship with God as he meant it to be. And he says there in 1 Peter that he has an inheritance for me. Something he's going to place in my hands. Not to squander, but to use throughout the eternal ages for purposes that are... Who can describe it? 
It makes you want to handle the little bit in that Bank of America account a little differently so that I can handle what's least and be ready for what's more. Are we choosing now or eternity? Are we choosing to be faithful or unjust? Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. This is Jesus talking. You cannot serve. You cannot serve God and mammon. As much as I don't want it to be true, every time I try to serve God and mammon, I am, I am pulled in two different directions. And I make no progress either way. I'm stuck. But do I really let go of everything in this world and just serve God? I got to tell you, that's just a little bit scary. I, I, I don't want to completely let it go of God and just serve mammon. That's kind of distasteful to me. But there's this kind of tug of war, isn't there? But Jesus says, you can, look, you can't do it. It cannot be done. A choice must be made. God or mammon. Well, pastor, I have a job to go to every day. For eight hours at least, I sit there serving mammon. What do you do about that? You have a choice to make, dear one. You can go to that job and sit there for eight, twelve hours, I don't know however long you work, and serve mammon if you want. I'm just saying you can't serve both. Jesus said that. I think he's saying to us, dear ones, there is a way to go to that desk every day and serve God alone. I think there's a way to do that. Otherwise, Jesus is just torturing us here. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 14, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money. <laughs> these are the religious folks. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things. Because Jesus has been, he's not talking to them. He's talking to his disciples. But they're listening in because they're around. They're around all the time. They also heard these things and they derided him. They uh, they uh, stuck up their noses at him. Really, it's very, I mean, in the original, it's very graphic. It's they blew their noses at him. That's how ticked off they were. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. <laughs> Have you ever caught yourself lying to yourself? say that again. Have you ever caught yourself lying to yourself? We are very good at justifying anything we want. We, we, we can work it out. 
we can figure out a way to make it God's will to do anything we want. <laughs> Can't we? Oh, I must have that trip to Maui. I need a Sabbath. I must have this. This is, and I really do. But God, this must be your will. I mean, we can work it out. Jesus said, you justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. (laughs) Who you kidding? Who you kidding? For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That word abomination means idolatry. I was listening to an old uh, song yesterday, Bob Dylan song, Serve Somebody. Anybody ever heard that song? I'm going to serve somebody. Like it or not, all of us are going to serve somebody. Who's it going to be? And who are you kidding? God knows your heart. And then there's this, and we'll close with this verse, verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John, John the Baptist. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. So Jesus was saying, something went before, all the way up until John, John the Baptist. The law and the prophets. When, 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 that ter- when that phrase is used, law and prophets, it's talking about the Old Testament scripture. All of the Old Testament. He's not discarding it. He's not discarding it or putting it aside or putting it down. He's just saying that up until John the Baptist, everything of God's revelation to people was forward-looking. It was in anticipation of something. But since John, and here's the thing, John the Baptist said, or the Bible says that John the Baptist preached the kingdom of God. And then it says, as John was imprisoned, it says that Jesus, it says specifically, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. They preached the kingdom of God. Something has changed. Because now we're not looking forward to something coming and trying to make sure that our lives are straightened out so that we could uh, be ready for what's coming. It is here. John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, folks. It's here. It's now. Jesus is here He's now. This is not something we're looking forward to. This is something that is now. And he said, everyone is pressing into it. Yesterday we had the battle of the bay, I guess, the 49ers and the Raiders. I don't even know the outcome. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. When you have the ball in a football game, you are going to be opposed. (laughs) There's, There's going to be people coming at you from every angle to stop your forward progress. But if you're going to score... You can't stay 
at the line of scrimmage. That word, it says there, everyone is pressing into it. That word means violently pressing into it. In fact, in Matthew's account of this, it says that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Are we justifying ourselves and our little mediocrity, you know, our little mediocre commitment to Jesus? I do that. I don't want to. I want to be among those who are pressing in, violently pressing in, not excusing my tepid prayer life. You ever do that? We all know what it's like to feel like we don't do, we don't pray enough, we don't read the Bible enough. But here's what we do: we excuse it. Well, I, I think I pray more than Arnie. <laughs> Don't we? Uh, yeah, but, you know, I have, I, I have to, I, I work hard and long. I've got, you know, God knows this is tough for me. You know, I squeeze in a little, uh, you know, sneak at my, uh, a sneak look at my, uh, bi- the Bible on my phone as I'm driving to work in the morning as, as though that's, you know, listen, that is more than nothing, but not much. Let's be honest with it. We excuse ourselves from pressing in. Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't. I can't. It will cost you. It will cost me everything. Everything. But can I tell you, when I walk through heaven's gate, and there are people there who are in the presence of God, because of something that that flowed out of my life, I will not be considering for a moment what it cost. You cannot serve God and mammon. I've asked Starlene if she'd sing this song. I sprung it on her at the break. She was kind enough to to to, to, uh, uh, say yes. I was listening to this from her CD yesterday and as I was finishing up preparing for the message today. It's a song that combines two things. David's statement, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. And then the story of the woman who who broke open a a, uh, bottle of costly ointment, a jar, an alabaster jar of costly ointment. She broke it out. It probably represented every bit of wealth she had accumulated in this world. She broke it, spilled it all over his feet, and then wiped his feet with her hair. And as we consider what choices we're going to make today, I'd like for this song to be ringing in our hearts.
cost me nothing And I just want to spend my life on you all of my days And I don't want to give you something that costs me nothing Leftover worship and warmed up songs of praise Something that costs me nothing I just want to spend my life on you all of my days Let me be broken and poured out Trying near to risk it all one who loves much let me become your alabaster jar let me become your alabaster jar you give yourself to be broken and poured out As the one who loved much, you became an alabaster jar. You became an alabaster jar. Cause I don't want to give you something that costs me nothing. Over worship and warmed up songs of praise And I don't want to give you something that costs me nothing I just want to spend my life on you all of my days I just want to spend my life on you all of my days I just want to spend my life on you all of my days. And if that's your prayer, I'd like you to stand with me and join me as we close this service.